0: glory!
1: Today we're sitting down with Puno Dustras, web designer, digital creative, entrepreneur, and founder of I Love Creatives, People Map, Made With Map, and proud mama of Mwadib the cat. So, your Pinterest boards, they equal having your shit together, right? You got your home decor, the dream office, snazzy style references, maybe a pep board, and obviously, the lifestyle that's going to facilitate all of this. Cue Puno. Unbeknownst, you may have heard this one's laughter from a distance, unmistakable, once committed to memory. Or perhaps you're a little bit more intimate with the comings and goings of the Queen Slashy herself. It's almost been five years since Puno First Grace, my then-teenage self, screen, looking to YouTube as a form of escape and community, you know, vlogs. I saw someone who, in the light of day, had her shit together in the way that only my Pinterest board spoke of. This chick had her ducks in a row. But the grass is always greener on the other side, and that's not what we're here to preach. Fast forward five years, Pennell mentions that people looking from the outside in say that the way with which she set up and navigates her life, it almost seems like magic. And it is a little... But the good news is is that we don't need to go all the way to Diagon Alley to stock up on the good stuff. You already got it. It's your essence, your zest. Before we get into what you're bringing to the table, it's about whether you want to be sitting at the table at all. God forbid I look at the entirety of my life outside of career and finances and see myself worthy of such. Honestly, this episode was as much of a rabbit hole moment for me as it wasn't somewhat delivering... A cohesive podcast episode, what can I say, it's easy to get lost in people's brains. So there's going to be two parts, from Houston suburbs, her time at Activision, spearheading the Call of Duty franchise, to being a keynote speaker at the recent Girl Boss rally, and the further exploration of self via the Meissner acting technique. Puno basically threads together a dialogue through which we question the ecosystems of work-life play and how... It should fit around us and not us around it. Hashtag Sustainable Slashy. This is Slashy This Way with Pino Dostras. A quick heads up. We're dealing with an overseas conversation here, so the audio may reflect this. Coming to you from Los Angeles, California, in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, man. Like, okay, so when I was a kid, I I was an only child. Um, in the beginning, my parents were – they never really talked to each other because it was, like, right before divorce happened. Um, so I just remember, like, having a very quiet, um, awkward household. Like, it was just always – someone's always edgy or tired or, like – it was just – it wasn't like – it was really boring. <laughs> I just remember being incredibly bored when I was when I was growing up. And then when I turned 11, uh, puberty set in the bleeding and then like <laughs> I just felt like um I don't know, I think I don't know. I think it's puberty, but I just was kind of getting tired of like Girl Scouts and I didn't want to do that anymore and so um i like my parents thought that i was well i mean they actually knew but like i started getting into a lot of trouble and i was just like i in retrospect i think it was just because i was wanting something else something else to like do i was just so bored because like this is pre-internet man and it was like the most i had on my computer was Encarta, and like Carmen Sandiego, the CD-ROM, oh and Minesweeper, which I never like. They didn't have really good instructions on the computers, and there wasn't internet, so I didn't know how to play Minesweeper until like I got into college. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun game, um, <laughs> but yeah. So then I got into trouble, and when I was in trouble, like that's when my life really changed. Because, you know, I got punished. But I realized at that time, like, I don't know. I think it was important in getting me to be a very social person. Because, well, I got in so much trouble that my parents, like, had me move to my grandparents' place. And this was in Dallas, Texas. Flower Mound, specifically. So it's was very, um, very white. I was, like, one of the only Asians there Not that that mattered. I was always, like, comfortable being token. But, like, there really stood out culturally. I felt like it was – I think there were a lot more Hispanics in in my previous school. So it was just a little different. But – and it it was, like, really kind of, like, tough because I was in eighth grade. So everybody, like, knew each other, sixth and seventh. And so um, I knew, like, first day of school – that I had to make friends with someone because I didn't want to sit by myself at lunch. And I don't know why I didn't want to do that. I just like, I felt like, Oh, that's going to like suck. Cause I think I remember feeling as if I didn't do it, then it'll just keep happening. And I, and I was really afraid of that. So then, um, (laughs) there's this girl like right the period right before lunch. And, um, I went up to her and I was just like, hey, how are you you doing? I'm new here. Um, And then I just asked her if I could sit with her at lunch and she was really nice. And yeah, and then like ever since then, I think I just kind of pulled that social band-aid off and um, just said hi and smiled to everyone because I was like, that is the only way out of this thing is just to like be nice. And I feel like that was like that's how I am now. Like I'm, I'm just really unafraid of social interactions. I'm like, I, I really embrace being curious about people and trying to help them. And I feel like because of that, I, I think, um, I don't know. It's kind of addicting. My Daniel and I, we were just talking about that and we're like, is that like a compulsion or is that, is that just, like a nice thing that we're doing. (laughs) I mean,
1: you're like a fireball. You're a true people connector. (laughs) Fireball.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But I wasn't like that though. Like I was like, I remember my, my dad and my mom, my dad specifically like making a comment when he saw me with my friends and thinking like, wow, you're not, you're so different in front of your friends. And I was just because I was it was so quiet at home, you know? So, like, I guess, I don't know if it, I was, I feel like I had to have always been like this. It was just kind of like fighting, fighting like what I was used to or how I grew up. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if it was natural. I don't know. I have no idea. Who knows? What's my gut?
1: <laughs> it's almost like you saw that, as a tool to just evolve from the situation, to get out of the situation.
0: Yeah, it was fear. (laughs) (laughs) It it was fear-based. It was all fear-based. I mean, I really was scared. I just... I think, like, sitting alone at lunch was... I didn't realize it, and it's actually really interesting to hear me say this right now, but it was something that I just didn't want to do. I didn't want to be... Used to that, I I can eat lunch by myself now. <laughs> I, mean, like, I think it was, it's different, you know, when you're in junior high.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess even in that, you could say it was your gut. People leaning into the fear, and what makes mm-hmm. them nervous, and still going for it. Hmm. Yeah. Totally. Now you're just, from what I see, you are a complete as you say, slashy, you're bopping back, (laughs) you're bopping back and forth, um, doing a bajillion things all at once. Um, yeah, like you, I would say you basically just found a way to capitalize your entire being.
0: Oh my gosh. That's the goal. (laughs) (laughs) I think, but I didn't, I didn't seek that in the beginning. I, I, I like really, um, I guess like strategically didn't do that because in the beginning when I first quit my job and Daniel and I were going to start our own business, the business that we created didn't make sense for me to be the face. I mean, one, it was based on travel and like, yes, there are people who are travel influencers, but like, I, I don't know. I was just like, I can't do that. And then, I, too, I really wanted to build a community because I felt like that was just so much more interesting to me to see where, what other people's perspectives were and how they... And then, like, this is the beginning of Instagram, so it was just, like, really cool to just meet all these people all over the world through, like, language and um, visuals. And then the other thing was... The aesthetic of Map wasn't really me, but at that time I didn't know what like my taste and what my aesthetic was. I just I didn't feel it didn't really feel like my skin, Um, and so I thought that was just how you do it. Like I just thought that's that's how you make a brand is you know you like and I think at the time that brand is was right for that community, but. That wasn't necessarily me. So um, that ha- that car was like, yeah. Okay. Uh, um, so I, I, th- I feel like it wasn't until I actually started doing Squarespace freelancing that was when I really exercised aggressively design skills and, and like tapping into and exploring like, what is my design? What is my aesthetic? And, and that means like exploring different fonts and buying different fonts and like taking photos and and playing around with what my style is and playing with and like trying to create sets. And like, you know, it's like all of these things that you have to do to kind of exercise that to, so that you can really hone in on what your what your design is. And everybody thinks that I have some like master plan – Or not everybody, but I feel like people think that, like, wow, you just, like, really, like, thought about it. And I just really worked at it. I mean, I just, like, consistently would try new things and, like, be relentless about my curiosity and, like, trying to figure out, like, is this, is this me? This seems not as fun, so I don't think that's me. (laughs) I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try that other thing. Um... Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. I feel like that's like, that's why now it seems more natural that I'm like owning or making a business out of like my personality because I'm like better at it. And I know what I like know more specifically the elements that make it what it is because I had to design it. I had to build it. And like and I always go back to like fonts because honestly like fonts are huge I think like fonts like the way that I lay out the fonts the way I use my fonts like actually defines a bit about like who I am and so um that's why I don't think it's like this big crazy mystery like it's a few elements and a few assets that are curated and and laid out together. And that's kind of how you're, you know, how you look to other people. Um, and I, I feel like because now I know that cause I have to do that, uh, it's easier to pull the levers and be like, Oh, okay, well, you know, and then like start migrating that design thought into like services or products or courses or like whatever elements of my business are, I can start like making that, um, just integrating that more because I just I know how to tap into that now a bit more.
1: You currently have three businesses.
0: Do I? I guess so. Yeah. Um,
1: I mean, okay. From an outsider perspective, like as a consumer, I see you. Yeah, you founded three businesses.
0: Well, all right. So, Made with Map is not a business. It makes absolutely no money. In fact, it makes negative dollars because we're still paying for the server. Um, we pivoted Made with Map into People Map, which is the Instagram tool that helped us build that community on Made with Map, and that makes money. But People Map is not really me. Like I work on it maybe an hour, two hours a week, and not because like oh yeah, living in the dream. Like it's just because Daniel is taking care of it and. Um, I honestly just haven't put the time to it. (laughs) Like every now and then I'll go on a podcast or I'll do a panel or I'll teach something. Or right now I'm putting, I'm putting together, um, a course for brands on Instagram marketing with Paquetto. So like, I'll do like those kinds of things to help move it forward. But, um, it's really like dev based. So, I've just kind of like not, I'm not really in that world. And then I love creatives. Yeah. Like I love creatives. I'm like way more into, but yeah, it sounds like I have three businesses, but really it's two, but I really work on one. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean,
1: from like the outer bubble, who would know?
0: Uh, I know. I just, I guess like, I don't want to take off made with map on my bio or Or I don't want to be like, this is gone. Because I'm still kind of working on it. So, um, like, I, I, yeah, I'm still kind of working on it. And it's not dead to me. Like, it just, I literally don't have um, crazy deadlines compared to most people, I think. I used to. I used to, like, believe the startup grind and, like, feel this pressure of, um, having to meet some pretty crazy goals with, you know, that where I wasn't really willing to do that amount of work for, like I quit my last job because I was really burnt out. So
1: yeah. Can we like touch on that? Because I feel like now we have a good understanding of kind of where you're at and your Mm -hmm. perspective on that. But where, where did you get your start? Like, how did this all take root?
0: um so I I worked in advertising well okay I'm gonna do this real quick I was (laughs) I was in college marketing um in the business school didn't like it uh this was like pre-facebook um ended up doing a side project on my own Learning UX design, even though it did not exist then, but like real, I mean, I, I felt like that's what I did because of that side project, got a job in advertising as a junior art director. Um, didn't, they didn't know like what I should do. So I just picked art direction because I, I kind of do Photoshop, but I didn't really spent the next Six months as a junior art director, like, learning Photoshop, Illustrator, um, like, every day, eight hours. Even when I would go home, I, I worked even more because I was so behind compared to everybody. Then transferred to L.A. from Texas, still in advertising, got laid off, 2008.
1: That's like... Oh, Yeah
0: the the time yeah, but everybody gets yeah. laid off in advertising so if you're in advertising like and you haven't been laid off like come on join the club you know <laughs> uh, and then when I got laid off did a little bit of freelancing um, then, then got offered to be a UX designer which was just beginning that world was UX and UI and iPhone apps and apps in general just started burnt, like bubbling. And so I got into that world. Um, my first job was at Activision and Call of Duty. Loved it. Oh, dang. So fun. Um, didn't know anything about gaming, but became a video gamer. <laughs> Loved Call of Duty. So fun. Fuck, I like love zombies. Oh my God. It's like the best. Oh game ever. my God. <laughs> and then um, from there I ended up uh, getting hired as a UX director and I built a team of 10 and we were off and we were trying to build this thing for 20 million Call of Duty fans. Um, and then it just got really super stressful. Um, there's a lot of politics in that company and I got wrapped up in it and I was pretty young and you know, my, the way that things work and I'm, I realized that I'm the kind of person that doesn't like to explain everything that I'm doing and I like to take risks and I like to make mistakes and I like to, I like to like work on my mistakes too um, and like that just wasn't like rewarded or that just wasn't a thing in that culture and so um, I found it very frustrating and it was, it became really apparent when they hired someone who was my direct boss at that time, and we just really butt heads. And so from then I, like, was so, so, like, emotionally drained and, ex- and like, physically exhausted because we were working, like, 60-hour days. I mean, weeks for, like, over three years. And so I was just, like, done. I couldn't do it anymore. Like, I just was... I, I don't know. I mean, like, maybe I could have... If I wasn't so um, wrapped up in, like... I was so offended. I think that that was the problem. Like, I I shouldn't have taken it a lot of things so personally, but blah, 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 ended up quitting, um, and decided that we were going to, Daniel and I were going to run our own business, but we didn't really know what that was. We ended up like finally taking our honeymoon, um, in Thailand for five weeks, came back and we're like, let's do a travel (laughs) app. And then uh, worked on that, and then once we started working on that, like I like was still a little bit unsure of like who am I, where, am, what am I doing, what do I want to do? I actually have the opportunity now to like try anything, and so I kind of embraced that, and I like try, tried photography, tried styling, uh, went into freelance for graphic design, UX design, found Squarespace, like really just became a slashy. And then um, I think because of that, like uh, somebody else told me this, it's like an accidental creative. Like I, I feel like I'm somewhat of an accidental creative because I like tinker and play and do lots of things, but I'm very like aware too of the opportunities that could potentially like unfold. And so I think because of that, like it's just, helped me like create this little ecosystem of like businesses like they if you look at any business I do or any project that I've done there has been something that has led there Um, either it being a side project or it being like a learning or an experience or a conversation from a place that I've been to or a person that introduced me to someone else like everything is like very connected and it's I think it's just because I go with the flow and like, but at the same time, I really will like dig deep on something that makes sense. So I don't know if that answers your question, but it was the shortest I've ever answered that question. (laughs) Rapid fire rundown. (laughs) LinkedIn style (laughs) bullet points. Yeah.
1: Okay. First of all, you worked on Call of Duty. That's insane. I mean, you could have like... You could have stayed there on there longer, but it did not feel like you were happy.
0: I, it, I, why would I, you? I really, I really, really wish that we could have seen the project that we wanted. I wish we could have seen it through because it was so cool, and I feel like it would have like really upped the game for a lot of people. Uh, so
1: just like well, what would you so if can, you were if you were say. If you were the one that was helming it, what do you think was missing? How would you go about forming that strategy then?
0: What do you mean? In like,
1: terms of like the, how the teamwork would- and the company mm. culture you mentioned, like what was lacking in terms of you weren't allowed to actually make mistakes and grow from that?
0: Yeah. Well, I think the big issue was there wasn't direction from the beginning. Like our and that was like leadership. Right. And so the problem was they didn't really know what they wanted and that's okay. But that doesn't mean someone else is going to figure it out as quickly as you want to pay them because like throwing money at something just does not mean that an idea is going to be executed properly or is even good going to be the idea. And so, um, I think that's the first thing is whoever is running the show, whoever's spending the dollars, they need to be very aware of like how that trickles down. Um, and like, and I just, I, I wish that we could have even talked to him. We never did. Like the person who is telling us what to do it was never. like this wizard of Oz. Have you never seen so, him either. Yeah. So how would they know how tough it is when there's all these middle managers that are saying like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're working on it. Don't worry. We're spending all of your money really well. And we got this. Don't worry. We got it. And it's like,
1: we're
0: saying we're not, we don't got it. Um, we're trying, but we don't, (laughs) we don't know what that person wants. And yeah, so that's like that. And then the second thing is, um, you know, we did get it, it did take three years, but we, we got it, like, and we never got to execute it, but we felt so positively that that was the direction, and, and I, like, believed a lot in esports at the time, but it, I, esports just wasn't, like, really big in the first-person shooter world, it was, like, so much bigger, in um, you know, like, StarCraft, and, uh, now League of Legends. But I felt like there was a way for it to work, and I think for me, like I felt like there, it was missing strategy, and it was missing like numbers, and that was the exciting thing about StarCraft is that you had this data to analyze your game performance, and like it was just like really fun to yeah. talk about, and like I think that's the cool thing about even like fantasy football, even though I'm not in fantasy football, like I understand that the more language you have and the more information you have the more you can talk about like how to do this differently. And so what, that's what we were trying to do. That was like our big goal was to provide information in like a really fun way. And we had this cool interface and, but then unfortunately time was, was like, it was another problem of, uh, of like throwing money at this situation. And so that's when they hired all these new people and fired other people because they weren't like it, it like it was really a shame when one of our uh, bosses got fired because uh, it I was like, it's not his fault. Like, like I was just like, it's not his fault. He, he's like, he's, he learned so much from like that year. Why does he have to get punished, you know, for it? If anything, he is the number one person for this job again. You know, like he's the person that's going to be able—he's been in the to understand, yeah, yeah, what our what our weaknesses are and where, like, like the direction that we can keep going. And so everybody's really bummed when he got fired, and like everybody at that, the morale was like really down because now you're like, well, can't make mistakes, just do what they say because you're going to get punished for it. And I and I didn't believe that, and neither did the, my team. We were like, "Fuck no!" <laughs> and so we really butted heads with the new with the new leadership that they brought in because that was their whole role was like get these like kids in order. And it's like we we were. It's just like we you know we we're just still learning. So and then from then like I mean. There is there's not much you can do. There's not much you can do when the team isn't on the same page. There's just like it's just chaos, you know. And like no matter how much money you throw at someone, because Call of Duty had a lot of money, and I and I quit before I would get my bonus check, which was like forty grand. Like it's crazy. It's like but like it's it was just too much. It was just like. I was, like, crying at a bar at 11 p.m. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you stepped out for you. I had to. Yeah. Because I was, like, shaking at work. Like, what the fuck is that? (laughs) That's not healthy. No. Your adrenals are just, like, on an all-time high. Yeah, my adrenals needed to email me and be like, yo, homie. Calm down. Calm down, girl. You need to go. But I I didn't want to go because our team was sick. Like, I got to build, like, this fantastic unicorn team. And I call them unicorns because everybody was an autodidact. They were self-taught. They they were autonomous. They knew they didn't like structure. They wanted to own their own product. But they were also, like, really fun. (laughs) And good friends. And so it was like, I didn't want to leave that. Cause it was like, damn it. We're, and, and we all gelled and we all like designed similarly. So it was just like such a good group. And I didn't want to like lose that, but, but I just, th- there wasn't much more I could do.
1: It sounds like there's so, so many tools that you took. <laughs> Yeah. It sounds really sad. Um, I know, but I mean the tools that you Gain from that as well must have been yeah. as unfortunate yeah. as the experience
0: was. Well, I, you know, I think that I feel like for someone like me specifically, I am such an optimistic person and I'm such a bulldozer in a sense that um, I almost have to be, like, dragged down through the dirt in order for me to, like, really give up on something. So... Um, I think I learned that I don't need to be that person. <laughs> like, okay, Puno, let's nip this in the butt before it gets bad. Yeah. So um, I like really practice self awareness and try not to like. Like, it's not that I don't work hard anymore. I still work hard. I just, I'm just very self aware of anything that's like emotionally draining me and not making me pumped you know
1: that's that's where you're actually living and not surviving now
0: true that's a great way that's a great analogy
1: Cause so many of us we're just surviving no yeah. one is necessarily living and the when we correlate work to making a living it's way too connected to it's just facilitating like this circle of survival mode Always in the survival mode. We were here to discuss the acting class, the acting oh. class you're taking. Yeah, I My saw, favorite. I saw your videos on that, and you being extremely open, extremely raw on camera, totally upfront.
0: Um, <gasps> I had to get you on the podcast. So, I'm glad that you saw that because. I really was. <laughs> yeah. I I was like, I don't really want to turn this on. Um, <laughs> Either this acting class is
1: really, really good. Yeah. Or, yeah, if you could intro exactly what this acting class is to begin with. Sure.
0: Yes. Uh, my pleasure. Okay, so um, it's the Meisner technique, which... Like There's a few acting techniques. One of them that everybody's probably familiar with is method acting. And then there's Meisner. Um, And Meisner is... Well, the best way to explain it is method is like becoming that person, feeling the pain, like living the pain. Um, Whereas Meisner is about not necessarily re-scratching your scabs, if you will, but it's more... Um, like, imagining creatively. Channeling like, yet yeah, yeah. And, like, tapping into your experiences but not necessarily having to, like, relive any emotional trauma. So, like, if you wanted to be sad, you can think about, you know, your parents being sick or something like that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are. You know, like, it's, like, just what are those emotions and feel those emotions. But you don't have to like, like you don't have to be like, okay, what trauma in my life has happened and how can I tap into that? Yeah. And so I took the class and like, I was the only person who wasn't an actor. (laughs) I was just like the, the girl who's taking it for fun, but I didn't really say that like, because it was very apparent that everybody there wanted to be an actress or actor. And so I I just didn't want to be that person that would be perceived as like not taking it seriously. I like I I there we had a really cool energy in the class and um and I and I think like when you have that culture it's super special. And I don't want to like ruin it and I want to like help it because then it's gonna make that experience and that class just way more interesting and way more valuable for me. So kind of like kept that to myself. But I learned so much about myself um, and about like just like the little things that I do. So like you you have this one exercise and if you've seen Barry, they do a glimpse of it. It's like a repetition exercise. But um, essentially you make these observations about people and then you repeat it. And in these exercises, your teacher, our acting teacher, my acting teacher, Lisa, would, like, stop you and then say, big note, Puno, or, like, big note, whoever, and then she would kind of tell you something about yourself. Like, do you notice that you're rocking back and forth? Do you notice that you're, like, um, you just made a joke? You just kept making jokes and kept, like, being goofy And she's not like, you know, making fun of you or like she's just observing what you do. And the whole point, which I think is really smart, is that, you know, in acting, you're trying to like control your human behavior more. And so in order to do that, you need to be really self-aware of like what you're doing. And I thought that like one, she would like dig into – um, you know, oh, for me specifically, I would laugh or I would just like joke if someone looked like they couldn't think of something to say. I'd just like, ah, I'd make a joke. And she said, "You know, you know, you're you're a caretaker. Like you constantly will try to swoop in and make it all less awkward." She's like, "Can you just sit in that awkwardness? Like, can you just let them?" Like do their thing. Like I'm gonna do that for them. You just, you just don't worry about them. And so I was like, oh my god. And like I kept getting that note over and over again. I was like a caretaker. I kept taking care of people. And she's like, just focus on you for once. You know, like just. And I was like, oh my god. And then like (laughs) I was like, ah. But what was I? What is so much more interesting in this exercise and this, like way of doing it versus therapy is that you get to almost train and drill yourself out of your habits with like strangers in life versus, you know, going, I mean, I think therapy is great for lots of reasons, but like in terms of practicing human behavior and like, you know, the habits that you've formed, I feel like this was such a good lab to do that because you would just be like, all right, I'm just going to drill this out. And then she'd call you out and then you just try it again. And then she'd call you out and you just try it again. And it's like, it was almost athletic in a sense. So I really, I really, really appreciated that. And like, I feel like I learned so much about um, like just my natural instincts, um, good or bad or whatever, just natural ones and the ones that I tend to not bubble up immediately and so um, at the end of the class we were allowed to like continue forward and take the next one and it was so weird because like my teacher really ended up like I mean she loves everyone but she was just like so surprised by me because I was I mean, maybe it's because I look really young, but I'm, like, 35, so I probably one of the oldest in the class. <laughs> I
1: was shocked as well when you – when it was your birthday recently, and I was like, what? Puno?
0: No. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think because, like, I, maybe – I don't know. I feel like I would like this when I was younger, but maybe not. Um, but I – Yeah, she was just like, I'm so surprised you don't want to act. Like, you don't want to be an actress. And um, it's not that I don't want to be an actress. It's like, I just know how much work it is to actually, like, do it the way that I would want to do it. Like, I have some friends that are actors, and I just, I get the grind. And, like, I don't know if I really want to do it that way. So... It was really tough because I even today I'm like, man, I really wish like I'll I'll get DMs from some of the classmates and I'll just be like, damn it. Uh, I wish I was going, but it's just it was just such a huge time commitment for me and I don't know. I feel like I can go back to it at some point, but <laughs> Lisa called me out and she was like, You're probably not and I was like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I need to build Isle of Creatives.
1: <laughs> There's like a season for everything. Yeah, exactly. You were basically called out on your safety net, which is to make everyone kind of feel situated that they're okay and to right smooth out that awkwardness. Where Where do you think that? I mean, would you say that maybe almost stems from you? You have siblings, but they're way they're graduating high school.
0: Um, one of them is. 14 and the other one... One's in junior high, the other one is in high school. But she's not graduating anytime soon. I think she's got like two years
1: okay. or three years left. Yeah. Where do you think that stemmed from, though?
0: Like caretaking?
1: Yeah. Pff,
0: ugh, next episode. I have no idea. I, I think... Your Call of Duty days? Oh, my... I mean, I think I was already caretaking. You know, like, I, that was like... I maybe that maybe that was or maybe that was the beginning of it
1: maybe when you go back to the acting class this is step two
0: I know I you know I think this goes back to I am naturally and even back then I'm a very curious person and I like to see I like to kind of see like how things work and I like to like I'm a rebel in the sense that I like to see if there's other ways to do things. I'm just very curious. And I feel like that's when, like, Daniel and I were talking about our compulsiveness to, like, answer a question. I don't even know if – is it, like, being helpful or is it, like, there's a question that's unanswered and I want to know. Or is it – for me, like, when I hear something that I don't know the answer to, I'm like, do I – that's interesting. Like, I think I want to know the answer to that too. Yeah, And I, I feel like I just go and find it. And then people are like, wow, you're so helpful. And I'm like, yeah, but I also was curious too. I was like, I wonder how that works. So I don't know. I, I like, I feel like I've always been like that in the, in the beginning when I was really young, I don't think I got to exercise that a lot because I was in solitary confinement (laughs) in the suburbs, but, um, I found it in different ways, you know, like even just like, um, snooping around the house, you know, looking at all these things and like, I just, I don't know. I like little, little curious puno.
1: <laughs> I mean yeah, now you're in user experience as well. Brands come to you if you're doing a website, they kinda of give you a design brief and it's how do I kinda of smooth out the flaws and like the, you bring it all together and like seamless experience. You want to cater towards the user and make sure there's there's no bumps in the road.
0: Yeah. And I actually we talk about this in my Squarespace design course. Like we um we have this accountability group and um one of the things that we talked about was like community and um and like having genuine like connections with people and I feel like a lot of that for me especially like on something like Instagram just online and in general or even in person too I find that um I have the most genuine connections when I'm like really curious and helpful. I think that the conversation just tend to be more interesting and tend to go beyond the superficial when, when I just ask questions and then I, I try to help that person, like, you know, understand what that problem is or what the solution can be or hear how they've come to that solution. Um, yeah. So like I, I'm like in the class, I've been trying to tell people like, I, you know, use the Slack community as a as like a lab, like as another supplementary lesson in solving pro- other people's problems. Because once you get into client services, that is essentially the job. And, you know, even if you don't just do client services, being a really being a creative that is the job. Like the job is to figure out someone's problem, whether it's your customer or your client or yourself, and like continuously solving that problem. Um, and I, and it's like you can practice that just every day. You know, with you don't just always have to be super observational in your conversation and in Instagram. You know, like it can it can always go a little further if you're just a little bit more curious
1: because there's an entire world within each person. And when the the dialogue you hear so often, when someone you're talking to, th- someone always relates back to you with their own situation and then it, it kind of takes away from what that other person said. And say they came to you, this, I also find that this is why some people, um, a lot of my friends say they go to therapy for this reason, because when they're around friends or family, And they're talking about something they're having difficulty with. And the other person always counters with, oh, when I was going through this and they bring up their own experience, and it leaves someone feeling like they haven't been heard and like they haven't been given space to. And so Mm -hmm. you aren't, say, 100% there for that person. It's always kind of contracting with, this was my experience. I found when you actually, even in demanding someone to give you that space and be there fully for you, it makes a world of difference when Mm -hmm. you don't expect that from a person and then you're kind of left with this resent, almost this residual resentment. And it's like, wow, when we just ask someone and when we actually are present there for someone, even when we take that step further to not have to be asked by someone, there is, as you said, there's so much that opens up in terms of human connection and actually giving instead of constantly being on the receiving end. Mm
0: -hmm. I know it's, I feel like, yeah, I I think it's just uh, interesting how some people have completely different experiences on Instagram. Like there is like that study about mental illness, uh, mental health with Instagram. And I, I need to really look into the numbers of this, but essentially it was saying that the people who comment more on Instagram Tend to have a better mental health or experience on the platform than passively like scrolling through. And I'm like, that makes so much sense though, you know? Of course. (laughs) I
1: love Instagram. There's not a single person I follow who I don't love. I don't know how many people I follow at this point, but I keep coming across so many amazing people I'm like oh my gosh you're you 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 like I love you I I need you in my life I need to I'm like screenshotting everyone's account and like deep diving and rabbit holing and making lists and
0: lists yeah I think you you naturally at a very I don't know I feel like some people just are really good at finding who their people are and, like, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think it's because, like, you knew who you were or is it because you knew what you were somewhat looking for? or Maybe it's a combination of both.
1: I'd say it was a combination of both. If you're kind of expanding as a person and everyone is always going to have a different answer to this when it comes to, I feel like I know myself now or I don't know myself at all in terms of, I've always had a pretty good sense of self, but it's also the way someone makes you feel, maybe separate from the things you're interested in. It's like I don't have to say love the way all the songs by this one artist sounds or even his his kind of vibe aesthetic itself, but if there's one song in his album, then like I will listen to that on repeat.
0: <laughs> yeah. But some people, though... I mean, Some what do you people, find? Oh, i, I mean, I—I I feel like I'm like you. I—I I think I—I'm um, pretty, like I like to look at lots of different things, and um, I'm pretty self-aware. Like when it's like, oh, what am I looking at this? You know, I think that helps being busy. <laughs> like, yeah. You're just like, I don't have time for this. Um, but a cute cat. All right, let's scroll through a couple of those. <laughs> Oh, we can see how that manifested. (laughs) You know, i got to get my research in. Yeah. (laughs) Um, For some, I, 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 like, went in this group of um, where we were talking about, like, we are talking about, like, everybody's uh, experience with Instagram, and um, there's just so many people that I think there's two two sides of it that gets really unhealthy, (laughs) and one of them is what you kind of touched on in the beginning where like you were talking about trying not to like take Instagram so seriously and like be so planned and structured about it. And I, I get that. I can, I can see how that can very quickly like make it not fun or, um, make it feel like it's a job. And then it's more about quantity than it is quality. Um, I think there is to something to consistency but like I totally also get you know what happens because of that too Um, but I think that like for people who have a business and this is me too like even with I Love Creatives you know marketing our company through Instagram is our it's just so much cheaper at the end of the day than doing like most other kinds of advertising or um things so and it's just like something that you get to really like create but I do feel like a lot of business owners resent it because um because they feel like they have to like just do it and it's just oh I'm doing it and then like They haven't – they're too tired to, like, think of something interesting about it and change it up. It's like, oh, it's another bar of soap. Oh, it's another bar of soap or whatever. And, like, I don't know what else to say about that because it's like, well, if you're not changing anything about that situation, of course it's going to feel like a grind, you know? And I I respect that it's, like, you're tired and I understand that it's, like, tough to get out of that, but – Like, there's – something's got to give. Some – we've got to think of brainstorm some solution, you know, because Instagram is such a great tool to create a community um, and, you know, and you're good at it somewhat, but it's just like you haven't figured out that thing. Like, I think that's, like, the part – I'm trying to, I'm like trying to think of different ways that people can like get out of that hump and like really, um, have fun with it again. Um, because it, it's a shame, you know, like to like feel such dread with something that could be potentially so fulfilling. Um, and then the other side of it is like people who, uh, I think it's like people who don't really know who they are and are going down the wrong path. Rabbit holes. Yeah. You know, like, I feel like those people are just like, you know, like looking at a lot of celebrity stuff, or I don't know. It's just like they're just in this world and it's like they know that they don't like it, but they don't know what else, I guess. Um, these are like two different worlds that I'm really so curious about. And I'm like trying to figure out how how do you get out of that, you know? Because it would really make everybody so much more, um, have so much more fun.
1: (laughs) I'm right there with you. I'm really curious as to, and, like, also as to why I really wanted to have you on Guts and Glory and, like, the the basis to Guts and Glory as well. It's, It's people who don't, as you said, necessarily know themselves. Where does that even stem from? Are we being given the space in our childhood to actually explore? Are we still being given the space today as adults to play? And it's like, okay, what do our education system look like? I mean, I remember getting, you know, we called the talk on, say, the the woman's reproductive system and like the boys were taken away from the girls and the girls would be taken to like this room and you know we'd be like okay five bullet points on what you're gonna go through and uh that that's it and then you find yourself out of high school and they never touched on taxes and it's like all these kind of basic tools that you kind of need as a person we don't cover that but at the same time, we're just going to degrade everything about the creative aspect of being human as well and put all the importance and all the funding, um, especially especially within, like, say, the French education system and the British education system and international baccalaureate, the ones that I was a part of. All the funding was going towards your full worth it is valued if you were good in math, if you were good in one of the sciences. So, as a basis, where are people really being established from childhood onwards, and how is this manifesting in ways as they are adults, and how is this being seen in terms of businesses and across industries, and that's where it's so cool, because everyone's slowing down now. We're, yeah. We, we have to wake up. We can't keep going like this. People aren't brain out at 45 anymore. Like, they're done at age 25, and... You, got, I have, yeah. You've got older generations who are so stingy sometimes. Like you, young ones, like there were so many less opportunities when we were your age. There was just one set Whoa. way of doing it, and now it's like, yeah, we maybe a lot. There may be a lot more people who are a lot more sensitive. But
0: I think I think you're right. It it is that it is that um, privilege of being able to be sensitive and i don't think that that's wrong but like yes like we definitely have the privilege of being sensitive and like we need i think that yeah and it's and the only reason why we're so frustrated is we because we know that there is a better way like it's not rocket science you know it's just it's just like we're not we weren't set up so to your point the time that it's going to take for us to figure it out might be a long time, (laughs) you know, um, like I, I'm doing, I'm actually like putting together a talk at girl boss rally and my talk is kind of a, it's a bait and switch because, well, they named it like how to start your side hustle with a full-time job. But I personally have a problem with the word side hustle just because it has the word hustle in it and I'm like not trying to do this to burn myself out, (laughs) you know. Um, And I feel like um, that's something that I like have been recently embracing a lot more is just like a lifestyle business, really. Like everybody talks about work-life balance and it's like, well, you know, like to me, most of my decisions are rooted in my business on how I want to live. And it's in and, and like, yes, that includes money. And yes, that sometimes includes employees. Like just because you want a lifestyle business doesn't mean you don't, you know, you can't have a, a, a large business and make a lot of money. I think that the mentality and the mindset is just completely different. But, um, you know, there's like, other things that I have to do in my mind that like get me to be to what you were saying about playing. I like, I have to embrace that, um, that long haul and just embrace slow growth because, uh, there really isn't any shortcuts to kind of like figuring out who you are and, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't want to give myself the shortcut of that because I get all these cool stories to tell and all like my friend Maceo and I, we always say we love doing things the hard way because we get a lot of material. (laughs) 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 Good Um, stories to tell the kids. Yeah, it's true though. It's just like, you just, it's just such a more interesting way to go about things. And like, um, yeah. So I, I think that you're right. Like, uh, um, if maybe in school we were taught how to learn like how to solve problems like really breaking down um, the process and then we do this in our Squarespace um, design course like the accountability group we like break down you know in the beginning there's a gap between what your taste is and what your skill is and like Ira Glass talks about this a lot and it's you're, like, trying to close that gap um, constantly, and it's so frustrating. That is, like, the most frustrating period of time, but it's, like, one of those things that you have to do at least, like, once really hard. Like, it needs to suck, and then you'll know you're like, um, how much you can take, <laughs> you know? You're just, like, oh. I mean, that was hard, but okay, like, I understand now the feeling of putting some time in to solve a problem. And, like, all of those things are not being taught in school. Like, nobody's, like, breaking down how to learn and, like, the frustrations and the emotions and the time that it takes to do those kinds of things. Because, like, memorizing versus, like, figuring out your own problems or figuring out other people's problems is a totally different Beast. and i feel like if if everyone knew how to if like people understood the process of learning and the process of problem solving and like all of the emotions that come with it like they would just be more prepared to do it more often for themselves and like you know play more and 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 ride that frustration because that's like part of it um but no one teaches that <laughs> yeah why do they teach that stuff?
1: I'd love to be a part of the education system in some way. There's There are a lot of like initiatives that are, that are developing into this space, and I think they're called Spoon. Uh, and I'm not sure what school. I think it's campuses across the U.S. that have signed up with them where they are offering their classes on campus, but they're not a part of the actual school. They're just... They're just facilitating Spoon as a part of like the curriculum. This is insane that a third party is being able to come into your space and you are giving space that if, say, students within looking, I think it's within um, gut microbiome and soil turnover and even going into the diversity um, within agriculture that, you know, there's, there are people who are going to be eating a lot of different things and not just corn mm-hmm. and giving opportunities to wider communities. And it speaks to so much more than this is how you make a chicken noodle soup. Just looking at how like education is kind of expanding and the way it's structured like that and we're looking at biomimicry as well. We're actually realizing we're a part of nature and looking at nature and seeing the formulas within nature and how does competition take form in nature and how are we implementing competition into our own lives and it's like competition in nature is nowhere it doesn't look the same as it does the way we the way we are competitive and how we set our businesses up it's, it's not sustainable when you look at nature's model of what is long-term sustainable and what is going to
0: bring around profit. Interesting. I've never heard of that term before.
1: What are your thoughts on people have all their eggs in one basket and it's like Instagram. I'd love to know your perspective on how you see social media evolving.
0: Oof. Uh, that's a I mean, I, I definitely think that with Instagram, um, shopping on Instagram, I think it is going to be the next like marketplace. So people might not even have a Shopify website anymore. Like they might just be on Instagram. You know, I think that's totally possible because the only thing that's like stopping it at this point is payment processing and inventory management and those kinds of things but otherwise like it's the platform that every that the entire market is on and so as like a business owner why wouldn't you want to be closer to that and i get it yes for sure you want to get people's email addresses so that you can contact them on your own without having to pay for it. Um, But when you're first starting, you know, that's not your goal. Your goal is to figure out if you are able to create content that speaks to the community that you're trying to grow. And if it does, then the next step is converting them into, like, lifetime customers and by getting their email addresses and all that stuff and that's when you can like go that route but when you're starting in the beginning and you have under 10,000 followers you just need to make sure that you understand your content ecosystem and like understand what your cadence is and see if you're really like if you're retaining people's attention you know Yep. I would just focus on that first and then don't even worry about Instagram disappearing or whatever new app is going to come up because it's just, it's just like, it takes forever for those things to like really change. And what I mean by forever, it's like a year, but still you (laughs) you could do a lot of damage in a year.
1: And it's like, if people are wanting to do, they're really looking to go fast, go hard, then there's always third party warehouse management, I think there's already two that are easily integratable with Instagram. Um, I know this one Lettering artist who already uses Instagram. And she's like, I can get immediate feedback from my followers. And, you know, they tap it. Um, she has third-party inventory that manages everything, keeps everything for her. They process it. It, le- it least directly through from her Instagram um, to a store that she set up with them. So it's like she doesn't even have to bother with that anymore. Easy. I love it.
0: Have you read the book, Company of One?
1: No. Company oh of gosh. One.
0: Yeah. It's like the way that I'm like, it's the way that I think. And I feel like, ugh, I'm just so glad So, like Paul Jarvis wrote it. Because I was like, ugh, people need to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> this is Puno Dos Trace. And... This is Guts and Glory signing off.
1: This was Slashy This Way with Puno Dostras. Refer to the show notes to further get to know our guest. Share your thoughts and show us some love by subscribing or getting touch to be featured on the podcast. Really separate their Monday. Thanks for lending us an ear. Passing on the mic.